welcome to Useful, Useful Idiots. Idiots. <laughs> Jinx. Jinx. I was doing that for dramatic effect, but right, uh, right. Matt thought maybe I forgot, which is uh, not on uh, and um, not unusual. Mm, I wasn't gonna say unusual, but thank you for that uh, vote of confidence. I was gonna say not impossible thing, but I, I actually I'm not offended by that because we often do do the this week in Matt uh, rapidly aging. MRA. Right. Yes. So it's yes. fair that I should. I should. Although I've already date. forgotten that we do. We do that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. This is like fifty first dates. The show. Mm. Do you remember that movie? No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you probably do. You probably have seen it ten times. Yeah, I've like probably seen week. it ten times. Yeah. It's with um Adam Sandler, mm. and Drew Barrymore, and she has a condition where every day she wakes up, she forgets everything about her life. I'm not sure mm -hmm. how it works, but every day she wakes up, it's a blank slate of a memory. Mm. And it's really hard to date in that context, but they somehow try it. I'm not going to give away the ending, but but they make maybe make it work, maybe don't make it work. I see. Yeah, because how do you remember? Like, you, you got to really speed up the process, I guess. Well, and you have right. to be like, hey, I'm not I'm not a weirdo. We're actually dating. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm not. Do not try this as some kind of prank, everyone. Not oh, that, they explored that same theme in, um, you know, the Bill Murray movie, uh, Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. But he, he just sort of used all the knowledge that he got to kind of, right. you know, sort of amp up the, right. the process. Yeah. But this is almost the opposite because mm. his is like he's trapped and he remembers everything. Right. That's the he does, thing. but there are, everybody else right, does Yeah, it. so this is yeah. the opposite. It's like this one woman doesn't remember, but the rest of the world does. Right. We well, definitely do some. from the man's point of view, it's the same problem because wow, she does. look at that. I yeah. just totally identified with the, I was identifying with the female character. Right. But the man is part of the world that's, no, that, that's like, the no, I don't want to say normal. It's really problematic. But I'll say the man is part of the world <laughs> that are there any words that we can use anymore that we have to think about first no, now? but that, that was that was tongue-in-cheek because i don't want to be temporally normative mm -hmm. you know the whole 24 like i don't want to is don't it normative also problematic thank you i was waiting for woke button we need we haven't done the woke button in a while we need to just have a, did, an episode that's non-stop woke button yeah we would just we'd just be holding it down at this yeah, point it's not it's not a it's not a joke anymore right it's not a gag anymore yeah. it's just a thing so um, you're 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 in a celebratory mood today because the 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 milwaukee elk yesterday took took the championship and yeah. uh, I, saw, I saw on twitter you were happy about that well what i was confused by is why on this day of great nba playing um why people were using their twitter to talk about yanis varifakis why do they need to dedicate their Twitter to talking about how, a tr I mean, powerful and the physique of, of a Greek. You never knew he was seven feet tall, right? Oh, that's who the person is. Oh, I thought they were just ran. Oh, I get it. Okay. So coming full circle, I see. So that is, you know, what I realized I misspelled, you see, you're the, the seven footer spelled with the G, right? Yes. Giannis. Yeah. Yeah. And then my Giannis. Mm -hmm. spelled with a y mm -hmm. but the thing is my greek is so good that right you were going by the 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 the, the grecian the greek alphabet, alphabet. Yes, yeah right so for me when i see the y and the g it's like this isn't my language right i'm like oh he you, you were already transliterating exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah so then i realized that but what's really funny is i tweeted out something it was like why is everyone objectifying 
uh, a Greek economist or something. And mm. and I was like, it's, it's it wasn't the most well executed tweet. And I was like, it's John is this, you know, Yanni's this, Yanni's that. He's a theorist who cares. And people were like, because he's hot. <laughs> but people do have a real crush on Giannis Varoufakis. The economist? Yeah. In fact, we got to get him on the show. Really? Yannis, we could help you become. This is the basic divide of the show, because I'm pretty sure I'd rather have the other Giannis on. Well, don't tell Yannis Varoufakis, but I would rather have. Let's have, have let's have a Yannis on Yannis episode. Like, Yannis on Yannis. Like, what do you mean Yannis on Yannis? Well, they both have to be on the show together. Uh-huh. And um, oh, I mean, oh, I get it. You just mean they would be on to get like, yeah. Oh, not nice. like an athletic. That would be funny. First, they have an athletic competition. Then they have like an economic uh, theory competition. I was thinking of it being more like a sort of a porn help type of thing. Oh, no, yeah. Well, yeah. if you want to arrange on that. content. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd be interested yeah. in that. Giannis and Giannis content. That's a whole. Is that a, is that a genre I don't know about? Well, uh, no, it, there, it should it be. Isn't. It should I be. mean, just yeah. if we lived in a just world where people I, cared I, about I economics. Bet, I bet it's out there yeah. somewhere, right? I, I bet there's. I bet somewhere there is a Giannis on Giannis porn video. Yeah. Out there. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> if it's not, if it's not out there yet, it could. It'll, it'll probably be out there by the time. This Which episode. we're not what we don't want to encourage that, but what we would encourage would be a cute little mashup of them. I don't know, do like somehow showing them scoring b- baskets and then making good points. That could be cool, right? Right, baskets and points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, points and po- points, 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 counterpoints. Right, right. Shots, right. We could have Yanni's like taking a real shot at like I don't know neoliberalism, and then right. the other Yanni's dunking. Does he dunk? The your Giannis or mine? Yours. They're both our Giannis's. Right. Today. Yeah. The the uh the the taller one does actually dunk. Yes. That's what I meant. Does he do yeah. that that thing? Can yeah. they? You think we could get him on your Giannis? Um, he's probably busy. I would I would I would guess at the moment. Well, but... I saw a video of him where he was saying how Kobe Bryant believing in him made him feel like he had to to play. Mm. Um. Seems like honestly, actually, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but seriously, he seems like a pretty nice, humble guy. He he, he is a nice, humble guy. He was he he was uh he was only drafted 16th, I think. So he has he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Oh, he was well, he was he was overlooked. He wasn't a, he wasn't like a guaranteed star from birth right. like a lot of these guys. Right, but you know we we believe in him. We do. We do. And we would feel kind of disappointed, Yanis, if you could give me a minute talking straight to the cam we believe in you you weren't 16 to us you were 15 or 14 <laughs> right right so we the want you to come was, on. was kelly olenic i think which is the but that's a whole separate yeah, discussion don't get don't get me started on kelly yeah exactly i get really upset about that yeah well okay so both we've extended uh, invitations yeah. to both Giannis's. yeah um, both Giannis's. Who the else tall one invite? the short one tall I, yeah, I mean, there's other Joe Rogan, but you don't put, you're not co-signing that. Yeah, I'm not co-signing that. Um, all right, so we should, we uh we got to power through the the four food groups because yeah, we have a lot of, lot to get to uh, this week. Um, so starting with uh, Democrats suck. Look, there is a lot to choose from, and this is actually not. I, would, I guess the best way to say it is not a completely new story, but it, it's it's become a controversy that's that's kind of been drawn out. There's Lots of different things about this story that are kind of annoying. So I just sort of wanted to generally talk about them. But the first thing is, last week, the story came out in Politico 
uh, is potentially a death sentence. White House goes off on vaccine fear mongers. There was a very curious passage uh, in, the gr- in, in this piece that Politico was reporting uh, that read as follows. Biden allied groups, including the Democratic National Committee, are also planning to engage fact checkers more aggressively and will work with SMS carriers to dispel misinformation about vaccines that is sent over social media and text messages. The goal is to ensure that people who may have difficulty getting a vaccination because of issues like transportation see those barriers lessened or removed entirely. Now, that that's a really weird thing to say because... First, so Biden-allied groups, and they're saying that the Democratic the Democratic National Committee, who who's standing to do any of this, is very dubious to me. But whatever. Apparently, you know, according to Politico, they're 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 working with SMS carriers to identify uh, misinformation. And as you can see from that last sentence, uh, the goal is to see uh, people who may have difficulty getting a vaccination. To, to have ba- barriers lessened or removed entirely. So people who might have, those people who might see misinformation, we want, we want to potentially remove entirely that disinformation, right? After this, there was a whole brouhaha because a lot of people in- interpreted this as what it sounds like, which is Biden-aligned groups uh, and remember, they're, they're, they're quoting in this story, they're quoting the White, a White House spokesperson right after this. The story is clearly sourced to, to a bunch of White House people. Um, a lot of people interpreted this as, the, well, the White House is going to get involved with uh, fact-checking text messages. Uh, and then there was immediately a backlash to this. Uh, if we can see Matt PolitiFact does a fact-check on this where it says, it's completely false that the government will be infiltrating personal text messages. They end up citing a, uh, a statement from the DNC. So they asked the, they asked the White House to comment on this. The White House bl- blows off the uh, response, refers uh, PolitiFact to the DNC. The DNC uh, told PolitiFact that it has no ability to access or read people's private text messages, and we're not working with any government agency, including the White House, to try to see personal text messages. Well, that's obvious. Nobody claimed they were, right? I right. mean, uh, and, then, and then it says, however, when the DNC's counter disinformation program receives complaints or reports of fraudulent broadcast SMSs that we believe violate the text aggregator's terms of service, we notify, notify the broadcast text platform. So this led, so that sounds like the DNC is actually identifying text messages that it would like to see no longer broadcast, right? And so they go, PolitiFact then goes to CTIA, which is a trade group representing wireless communications carriers. And they say in a statement, wireless carriers do not read or moderate the the content of text messages that that their customers send to each other, uh, nor are carriers working with third parties to do so. There's just there's a whole merry-go-round of statements and and cross statements. This all started when the Biden administration went actually when Biden himself said this thing about how they were going to send people door to door to try to argue in favor of vaccination. Yeah, they, so he, this is what Biden says in his speech. Now we need to go community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to door, literally knocking on doors to get uh, help to the remaining people protected. Um, from the virus. Then later on, 
you know, the, the, the Biden administration ultimately says, well, we're not going door to door. It's interested actors that are going to be going door to door, not us. So somebody's not telling the truth here, is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, the, obviously, the Republicans completely overreacted to this whole story by, you know, claiming that the, the government was going to go door to door and take your Bibles and your guns and forcibly vaccinate you and all these other things. Uh, and then you know, personally monitor your, your, your text messages, but they clearly, the, the political story clearly was about, you know, we're going to start trying to get involved with text messages too. And then they kind of walked it all back, which has become kind of part of the pattern of all these things. I mean, this, this came right at the same time they were, they were making their announcement about how we're, we're working with Facebook. And I think what's happening here is that they're basically trying to sort of lawyer their way through telling people about something new that they're going to do with social media posts and texts and text messages with uh, Facebook, you know, technically, you know, it, it, it still won't be the government making the, making the deletions or making or flagging posts or doing whatever it is. Right. Um, technically so here, it wouldn't be the government looking through the text messages either. I don't, I don't know. The whole thing is suspicious to me. So I just thought it would be worth talking about. Yeah. I mean, so is the idea that they're kind of going to like farm it out and have a middleman? Well, the way it originally read is the DNC was going to compile a list of text messages that they found uh, obnoxious, including the idea that the uh, Biden administration was going to go door to door and, and you know, sort of scare people into getting a vaccine or or doing other, or that they're going to be infiltrating their fact that their their text messages and uh, and the idea was that these SMS carriers would then hopefully remove those messages. But then the carriers themselves say, "Well, we're we're not reading text messages, and we're not we're not blocking any." So, what do you think the the key wording loophole is? Like, what's the what's the thing that stands out for you? Look, it's it's out when, when the DNC says, "Well, we don't have any uh, ability to read text messages." Well, obviously, you're not an SMS carrier, and right. we're not working with any government agency to, to 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 do to do this. Well, that's just as obvious. You know, the the allegation is that you're working with the the private carriers right. who can who can read the messages. Yeah. So it's just again, it's just a lot of it's a lot of wordsmithing. You know, the Biden administration talks about going door to door. Apparently, it's not them going door to door although that's how the new york times reported it like this is how the this is how that story actually read when they when he first said it back on july 6th uh faced with a steep decline in vaccination rates president biden said on tuesday that his his administration would send people door to door set up clinics at workplaces and urge employers uh to offer paid time off as part of a renewed push to reach tens of billions of uh unvaccinated americans and some of those things are good but it's this constant theme about getting involved with the with people talking to each other about this issue that ma- that makes me really really nervous. Um, you know, on the on the text message level, that's like particularly crazy, because yes, yes, there the the parties do these mass text messages, which can be obnoxious or um, you know or incorrect. But we do we want you know the, the DNC involved in making lists of things that end up getting stricken. I, I don't know. No, I'm going to say no. Because yeah. they, they could do it to the Sanders campaign or Nina Turner or whoever, right? right? You know, right. I, mean, I wonder what any predictions that you have about how people are going to respond to this. It's funny because this, again, this goes hand in hand with the whole Facebook thing. And the the response to that has been really, really strange. I mean, they, they, it mostly hasn't been covered 
there's been some debate about it, but not a whole lot. You know, the kind of the, the ACLU didn't comment on it, which was kind of amazing. Yeah, why? You know, and um, at least initially, I haven't seen in the last in the last 24 hours or so. Maybe they have, but now that we brought it up and we're we're challenging them. This is our ACLU challenge of the week. We got it. We should probably start doing that, Matt. We really right. should. We should be like, what should it be? Like the Bell of Freedom segment. We right. Set, you know, we're like urging liberal freedom loving orgs. Yeah, we could, we should get we should get little replica Liberty Bells. Yeah, Liberty Bell. Yeah, Liberty like, Bell of the week. Ding them. Week. Yeah. Do it. Do a sort of corny like Mister Rogers style thing. Yeah, but also yeah. on a horse, like Paul Revere style. Right. So we need a graphic of of one of us on a horse, because he didn't ding a bell, right? He carried a lantern and he, and he yelled. <laughs> okay, we need a graphic <laughs> of me, uh, yell on a horse carrying a lantern and yelling. And then Matt has to have just be dinging. Uh, Matt needs to be riding an eagle with a bell. Oh, that'd be good. Oh no, it's the Liberty Bell is not mobile actually. So no, Matt no, needs it's to big be and big and, and steel like on yeah. the bell. Yeah, yeah, sitting on it. Like sitting a, on it, yeah. A stride. Yeah, that would be really fun. <laughs> Can you reach it though, if in that position? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you just give me a, like a little sort of curved like a tongue type thing, I yeah, can probably tongue. get it going. But a the problem stick. is, yeah, but my my weight might prevent it from vibrating sufficiently. So I don't think it's true. But if it does, what a good motivation. Because this whole <laughs> thing won't true. work. Because we were saying a graphic, but we're actually going to film this. We're going to have to have some some things below to catch him, if God forbid, Matt. Yeah, that would be a bad way to die. Can you actually. imagine you asked telling your family that you were going to do this? Do you think your wife would let you? Like, would there be kind of relief in it? If I went to my wife and I said there was like a one in 10,000 chance that I would die falling off a Liberty Bell for a, a joke that, you know, is maybe not all that funny to begin with, how would she respond? Would she laugh? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Probably not. I think she would probably just not answer. Right. Yeah. What if it was which really would, funny, which though? Would, which would be my cue to not do it, I think. Right. Yeah. What if it were really funny? What if you let her create the comedy aspect? Would it maybe uh, be worth it? I don't, I don't think she would want to invest any energy in in any yeah. of that so right. um anyway that happened you that looked at this, this this is part of this sort of larger thing about sort of policing the internet and they were they yeah. were they were as we talked about on monday morning the messaging on this is getting super intense you know facebook is killing people and so we have to we obviously have to get in and commandeer it <laughs> you know right uh so who knows where all this is going but um but I thought that was an interesting thing. Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna do this so that we can put this in later. Right. Yeah. We'll we'll freedom. Paint, freedom paint it right. in. Yeah. Paint yeah. it in, guys. Guys, you gotta get on this. A a ACLU. You gotta get on this. All right. What do we have for um, Republicans? So Republicans suck. suck. An interesting story. Not very surprising, but Republicans call for criminal tribunal for human rights abuses in Cuba. Uh, a group of more than 140 lawmakers is calling on the U.S. governments of Central and South America and European Union to hold an international criminal tribunal to investigate alleged human rights abuses by the Cuban government amid historic protests in the island nation. Uh, the Republicans led by, guess guess who one of the main ones is going to be? Uh, guess which state uh, they're from. Ted Cruz? Uh, oh, Marco Rubio? Rick Scott. Um, and House Minority leader, leader Kevin McCarthy include the demand in a letter sent to the Organization of American States, the EU, and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. And the letter says, following more than six decades of brut 
brutally oppressive rule, the Cuban people are risking their lives to loudly denounce the disastrous communist regime that has time and time again failed to promote and protect the general welfare of its citizens. The world must stand with them in this critically important moment. As the democratically elected leaders of the world's free countries, we write to you today to fervently implore you to take action in support of the Cuban people and their democratic aspirations. It is time to finally end the evil and murderous reign of the communist illegitimate Cuban regime that has murdered, tortured, and oppressed for far too long. We encourage you to work with us in forming an international criminal tribunal for Cuba for crimes against humanity and work to hold the communist regime accountable. So, I mean, I think there's a couple of things here to talk about. One is the, the United States isn't really a fan of, of uh, tribunals, international criminal court tribunals, right? They, right. Uh, not, they, not when they involve us. Yeah, not when they involve us. I thought January 6th was this huge. Where did Kevin McCarthy come down on January 6th? Like he was, he was like, by, he was kind of like January 6th curious. Like at the beginning, he was, he defended I guess so, it. yeah. I, I don't remember. Yeah. I didn't pay close enough attention to that. I just think that that's, I thought that that was like an assault on, you know, shouldn't we be tending to our own? What would, what would a, what would a way, what could the Cubans say about the United States? Like they could make their own tribunal of against the United States, right? For various yeah. things. For Gitmo. Yeah. I mean, that's hilarious. That's Guantanamo Bay in itself. Right. Obviously, regardless of your position on Cuba, there's a lot of hypocrisy in this. I think. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm always torn about Cuba because the the people who are, you know, the, the, the biggest and most aggressive um, sort of regime change uh, proponents about this you know especially the kind of the diaspora community and they and they and again they have this incredibly outsized influence on right. electoral politics and all that you know they're they're so hyper aggressive about it and and you know they they overlook a lot of things uh, or they or they or they're you know they're so intense about it that they can't even you know admit to things that are true right. like the fact that there are high literary literacy rates and uh, in Cuba, or that their healthcare, uh, you know, in, in many respects, is more is more effective than ours, yeah. or at least reaches more people, right? Like, you know, uh, a lot of these hardliners are, yeah, they're, they're the APAC. You know, there's a real parallel between Israel and and Cuba, in terms of the outsized weight, or there's like there's I don't remember what the Cuban APAC is, right? It's almost the state of Florida, but in terms of there being a like a silenced majority, uh, also a demographic shift, also a very Florida, you know, a lot of single issue people, right? So some people will vote just on the issue of Israel, just on the issue of Cuba. That'll define them. Um, you also have like PEP, progressive except on Palestine. Mm -hmm. So there should also be a PEC, progressive except on Cuba, um, right. which is not as much of a thing. Sometimes it is. But it's not as if most, I mean, I'm generalizing. Here we go. Woke buttons blazing. Well, okay. But yeah. what does progressive except on Cuba mean? I mean, are we saying that the Cuban government is progressive? Because I, I don't know. No, I, don't well, know that that's I mean, we're saying really that the they're, they're people who have non intervention attitudes, let's just say, towards sure. most countries. And then when it comes to that, that, but that's not actually that, that much of a thing. That's a smaller thing. Like the and and of course the response to that would be people have various ways to to you know they would say I'm like, wrong they would say I we don't get it on the left we romanticize Cuba whatever just like Jews who are 
or progressive except pep of any background would say no you don't get it it's anti there's anti-semitism so that's why so I, i'm not like they obviously have a coherence i don't yeah, I, don't I mean think i'm i'm not i'm not inter for intervention with cuba but you know the cuban government has has uh you know some yeah. issues that it was probably worse once upon a time but they i mean i think that if you want to talk about the the irony right with gitmo uh and yeah. all that like okay well there's we have systemic arbitrary detention warrantless right. all that's warrantless surveillance all that stuff and yeah they they have some of that too it's not as i think it's probably not as bad and i think our the hypocrisy in our case is like a a million times worse but right. you know it's, it's the cuban government still has issues i think we sure. we we overstate the problems with things like things like academic freedom freedom of speech there but you know they do have warrantless detention they do they do have arbitrary arrest yeah. they have all these things that are not good so you yeah. know it's 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 a tricky issue for sure yeah no i think but i actually think that if more people spoke about it the way you did i i guess i don't think it's 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 really interesting i did an interview with this guy reed Lindsay and this woman, Liz Oliva Fernandez, and she's a Cuban journalist. Mm -hmm. Her thesis is that, like, of course, the government makes all these mistakes, but it's so hard to even isolate what the government's mismanagement is, given the sanctions. You know, I, he made a really interesting point also about police repression, because his point, it was funny, he kind of said in a in a not like talking point way, just kind of organically was like, yeah, there's there's like there's I mean, whenever police show up, there's often like there's a overuse of force uh excessive force right people get taken away from rallies he's like but it's nothing like in in, in haiti because he's reported from there he's like it's nothing like the case in haiti and it's certainly not like in the united states which i just thought was a funny mm, uh right thing to say right yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm torn here I, I know people who who spend a lot of time in cuba and you know who work there yeah. who have who have nothing but good things to say about the country and then i also know people whose families are from there and right. have uh, you know whose blood boils at the mention of the of it and, and right. who you know have personal experience living there so it it's a difficult thing but you know absolutely for sure i'm against invading right. um we have no we have and we have no business right you know sitting on our high horse morally about any of this stuff but one one more thing one more plug for cuba and i do i think the conversation is often overly simplified but uh it's also hard because sometimes like the media discussion of it is so bad that i'm just copying to the fact that sometimes i oversimplify to push back in a way that's not as helpful as it could be probably mm -hmm. um but i will say one thing you know when you said that it's an island uh it's not just i mean things are very different obviously on islands but they also have one of the amazing things about this country is that and i have been there uh but i don't i'm not pretending like i've gone on a fact-finding mission and seen it i'm more saying that in full disclosure like i'm someone who likes the country enough to have gone there they their preventative medicine is really amazing mm -hmm. uh, so the reason they have like the second you get exposed you go like they have doctors i mean they're they're like pr campaigns their medical diplomacy happens to be very good, you know, to be like the most critical of, of Cuba, you could say, well, that's sure. That's a great way to spread their it's great PR, but it happens to be PR that like saves a lot of people's lives. So they go abroad and, and treat people. But it is a really interesting model in terms of their healthcare because they spend a lot less money by yes. treating things preemptively. So they created two vaccines for uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you get exposed to it, apparently, you have to like go through all your contacts and tell them that you're exposed and you're treated without even having the symptoms, I think. No, I, I, I get it, you know, but 
my reaction to this is similar. Like I, I went to college in a communist country. Right. I was amazed that you can just walk into a, a doctor's office and, you know, uh, get a scan or anything, you know, whether you didn't have to put up tons of money and you could just see people right away. And the, the, there was a completely different vibe about getting treated by a doctor. And I think that's consistent across a lot of, a, a lot of socialist countries. Um, unbelievable education, literacy rates were incredible. And then, you know, you hear about the downside too. Like there's, an, you know, when you live in the Soviet Union, you couldn't go on a vacation uh, anywhere without having a party member follow you around. You know, you, you had to be at least in threes everywhere you went, even, you know, even if you were in a communist country abroad, right? You know, so- the, That's not the, very trusting of, of fellow communist countries. Yeah, it's, the, you know, there, there, was, there was a lot of stupidity, even, yeah. even sort of late in the Brezhnev era and everything, yeah. which is to me kind of an analog to what, modern cuba is like it's it's like you know it's not stalin era repression or anything like that it's just it's a system that's different from ours it doesn't you know it has different kinds of legal protections and that sort of right. thing so but everyone's everyone's hyper emotional about it and, yeah. and and stupid and and obviously you know the united states tendency to try to like get involved with every yeah kerfuffle and push people into power that they like is right. is, is the most repugnant thing in there, this whole picture so yeah and there's also that interesting phenomenon of like listen to x you know whatever group it is because people love doing that but and and obviously united states you're going to have a certain like subgroup of people who are here like they've left that country in the first place so a lot of people will say like you know I have an actual Venezuelan friend. I have an actual Cuban friend and listen to Cubans or listen to Venezuelans. Like, okay, but uh, that person may not represent, you know, they may represent a diaspora community here or a part of it, but things are changing. Just like with Jews and, and Israel, things have changed with, you, you have people who are Cuban American who don't think that regardless of their politics, they, they don't think a blockade is a good idea and embargo is a well, good yeah, idea. Well, yeah, the blockade was always, yeah. was always horrific. Yeah. I mean, it's just totally unjustifiable. And we do, and we, it's, it's amazing how uncontroversial they, they always are when we do that in this country, uh, whether it was Iraq or, you know, we just casually cut people off from yeah. sort of essential supplies and medicine and things. Yeah. And, and then claim to care about humanitarian causes. Right. Yeah. But, so. and, there's so much fake news. I know this isn't that interesting, but there's like all these people who are just fo posting videos of people and some of them aren't even from Cuba. It's like you can tell from the actual physical geography, the actual buildings or the national monuments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. The Republicans are going to obviously going to try to use this as a way to, to box Biden in, right. you know, and, and they probably were successful in doing that last time around. I mean, that was one of the reasons why the I think the Democrats reacted so violently to, to Bernie's comments because they were trying to preempt right. comments about literacy, right? That's what yeah. he was talking yeah. about. Because they were trying to get ahead of this quadrennial yeah. PR game involving Cuba that is just so tiresome. I wonder what's your opinion because this journalist Reed Lindsay was saying how much he thinks it's about Florida, like the, you know, and he thinks it's like, do, do you think it actually makes sense as a move, like morality aside? Like if do you think that there is they have to be beholden to a certain community or are there other ways to do like get out to vote in, in Florida? Well, it depends. I mean, I, th I think if you make it if you make assumptions 
that being virulently anti-Cuba is going to win you Miami-Dade County. That's one of those things that, this is the thing that drives me crazy about campaign journalism generally, which is that we assume that whatever was true in the previous election cycle or the previous two election cycles is going to be true going forward. And it's it's like almost never the case uh, that right. that you can you can bank on those things, and yet people people will set policies for like a generation based on their impressions of a couple of couple of districts. You know, look what happened with two thousand and eight or two thousand and twelve when Obama suddenly reclaimed a whole bunch of Reagan Democrat districts, and. I think the Democrats assumed, oh, well, we've solved our, our problem with sort of working class voters because they, they, they had one. They had this drift that happened during the, the 70s and 80s. And some of that was over issues like busing where there was nothing they could really do about it. And some of it some of it had to do with economic issues and NAFTA and, and uh, that came later. Obama won back a lot of those votes and the party just sort of assumed, OK, well, we have those districts now. They're back in the fold. Right. So let's not worry about it. And they immediately lost them again. You know what I mean? Right. In 2016, yeah. because voters change, you know, people yeah. change their minds. So I, right. like on the Cuba thing, it's just like you're saying, there's, there, there are new, there are new people coming in who have different attitudes about this. And it just seems like the, the smarter thing to do is just to do whatever you think the right thing is and not worry about yeah. what the electoral consequences are going to be. Yeah. And also, I think people often sometimes in good faith and they're just wrong and they think that they're being accurate. And then there's a more dangerous thing, which is like this technocracy, uh, ideological technocracy, right, which is where people actually have an agenda and an ideological commitment and they're pretending that it's just based on the facts, just pragmatic. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no. The 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 technocrat thing is yeah. Uh, that is so infuriating. That's a, that's such another constant of like American foreign policy is. Oh, our person is not an ideologue. He's a yeah, he's totally. a tech technocrat. You know, he's just a problem solver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So but, you just it's like you know Jim Carville or whomever just being like you got to win Florida. Right. Again. It's it is it is really interesting the Israel stuff too because people will assume that but look at who won in um, Jamal Bowman beat Elliot Engel so right White Hawk uh, down conversely you know Bernie did really badly in Florida right and and it's just it's it's hard to say right like what what I I would argue that that if you know we extended social security protections if we got gave Medicare for all of it that that right. that the Democrats would do a lot better in Florida but. You know, they've they've decided to probably treading water in some tenuous middle ground on Cuba and beating up on Sanders and doing whatever else it is is their is their right. best shot. I don't know. It, it that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. No. But anyway, so I so think it, we decided to lift the blockade. That's a good thing, regardless of your politics. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So isn't that weird? So this comes from the Washington Post. Not normally the venue where you get this kind of thing. Uh, super fun. A gun covered in Legos to look like a toy sets off a furor. This is another like, like let's let's figure out our verdict on whether what the limits of trolling uh, should be um, type of story. So it goes like this. The lead is uh, about a week ago, a company in Utah that makes custom modifications to firearms debuted what it described as a fun new product, a kit that encases Glock handguns and red, yellow and blue Lego blocks refashioning lethal weapons to look exactly like children's toys quote 
we have been building guns out of blocks for the last 30 years and wanted to flip the script to aggravate mom. Provo-based uh, Culper Precision explained on its website. It went on to argue that personal defense is a right granted by God and that gun ownership is protected by the Constitution. Before getting to the most important reason the company was selling Block 19, as the design was named, for $549 to $765, depending on the specifics. Quote, there is a satisfaction that can only be found in the shooting sports, and this is just one small way to break the rhetoric from anti-gun folks and draw attention to the fact that the shooting sports are super fun, the site proclaimed, exuding a bravado that would prove to be short-lived. Here's the thing, guns are fun, shooting is fun, 30 rounds full auto is, is fun. So then, of course, the Washington Post does its uh, sort of Debbie Downer thing. What's not fun and what went unaddressed on the sales page is the reality that thousands of children unintentionally shoot themselves or others each year. Thousands? Is that true? I don't doubt it necessarily, but it just that seems a little high. Okay, first of all, I would shoot myself in the head with that gun. Like that, that, thing, that thing looks like a toy, right? Yeah, this is a real thing? Yeah, it's a real toy. It, it's a real gun. Yeah, and that's a real real text. It's not like this isn't from the onion or something. The, the no. company that's making it. Yeah, I mean, remember when Tamir Rice was killed because he was playing with a toy gun that was yes. not an actual gun and a cop like shot him? Right. So this is just so disturbing. Sorry to be I could just I was we I was just tooting my own levity horn. I'm gonna say this is not so what what's the outcome from this? Let's see. With the Tamir think- Rice thing, it was a rice thing it was that it was a fake gun a toy gun but it looked like a a real gun apparent i mean i don't know what someone confused a cop thought it was so with this if we have more guns that look like fake guns yeah maybe less cop shootings of them but way more shootings less cop shootings of children but way more shootings in general because you can bring in your lego gun unsuspected yeah, they even talk about this in march police officers in north carolina conducting a drug raid found that a glock with a 50 round drum magazine had been altered to look like a nerf gun that's so scary i mean how many people could then accidentally if people already accidentally shoot with like guns that look like guns i feel like a lot of gun enthusiasts even would be not cool with this am i right am i giving them too much credit i think there are probably gun enthusiasts who would not be cool with it you know i I think probably there are some judges who probably wouldn't be cool with it too because you you can smell the liability suit coming again the guys, like, if you're going to go and make a whole product like this just to piss off your your critics, uh, this is gonna, I'm going to get killed for saying this. I, I I almost admire, you know, the stick to itiveness to to do something that extreme just just to be a dick, because that's what he's what he's doing. But unless, uh, yeah. unless it's just completely not funny, like you know, like people die, kids picking up a gun and, and shooting each other is. Not, I'm not sure where your head would have to be to, to, to actually find that. Well, I guess, I guess if you thought, I guess if you thought that didn't happen really all that much, you might, you might do this just to annoy gun activists. Yeah. Right. I mean, pretty bad trade. I, 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 I yeah, maybe. I'm wondering what that kind of person's sense of humor is in about in other areas. Is that per, like, is this the only thing that that person finds funny? Like, I, I would just like, why I mean, make this joke? I think they have a, I think because they're like very craven assholes, maybe I'm, they wrote, I went on there. So Culper Precision is the web, is the company that's making them. Right. And I just Googled them. And if you go on um, their website, 
their home is we here at Culper Precision are grateful for the attention that Block 19 is currently getting across the globe. We built it to create an opportunity to talk about the enjoyment of the shooting sports and the joy that can only be found in marksmanship, practice, and training. While the Second Amendment is foundationally important to the freedoms we enjoy in the United States or America as a check on the power that we, the people, grant our elected officials and as a tool to make the weak strong in the face of those who would oppress and maim, we also recognize and built this to highlight the pure enjoyment of the shooting sports as we feel that like us, our customers truly deeply love the shooting sports and the inherent fun, satisfaction and joy that comes from participation in them. I remember I went into a gun store once in the, in the South. It was just before election night on in 2012. I forget where they, they sent me to some godforsaken place to watch a whole bunch of Republicans watch losing the election. That was Rolling Stone's idea of, of a joke. And uh, so I went to some town where, you know, it was very like pro gun and everything. I went and I went into a gun store. And uh, at the time, you know, they, they were really into uh, these targets that had like zombies and there were all these zombie mm -hmm. gun zombie weapons were a big thing. So they had like handguns that were designed with sort of neon features to look like they, you know, they were used by zombies. And then you would have you know, like zo zombie type targets that you'd shoot at. And the guy was trying to explain to me that this was like a big thing that people really got off on the fun of imagining shooting zombies and that there was a whole industry built around that such so, so much so that you would spend like literally all your, your disposable income on a zombie gun. Uh, I, I guess it's a long way of saying, I just don't kind of, I don't, I never really understood what goes on in the, in the well, minds of people who get off on this shit. I, I guess you don't in understand inherent joy or whatever inherent weird, joy. Like Buddhist, like yoga-ish, like self self-help shit that they're writing about guns. This is so fucking weird. So if we, if we could just look actually at that that link, uh, Wilson, that I put in the culperprecision.com. You know, we're 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 trying to understand what makes this guy tick, right? Or these guys tick. And I mean, these are this guy, the the person the culper precision is for that is represents the the man who is just like the little bitch i would say i think that's the type of person it is like come the fuck on it seems that no matter what we create in the firearms industry anti-gunners seem to leverage every true innovation shortly after its release to talk about why guns are bad you're sick of the past 30 to 40 years of slowly capitulating our rights away in the fear of what someone who hates us for exercising our Second Amendment rights thinks about us. Rather than live in fear of the loud voices on social media, we decided to release Block 19, yeah. a so fucking Lego gun, in an attempt to communicate that it is okay to own a gun and not wear tactical pants every day, and that owning and shooting firearms responsibly is a really enjoyable activity. So they made this because they got they, they were pissed about stuff on Twitter. They were fucking triggered. Yeah. Triggered. Yeah. So to speak. We watched last year's record numbers of new friends that were previously on the fence or in many cases wholly misunderstood the place of firearms in modern society go out and purchase guns. We are extremely excited for these first time gun buyers to seek out firearms education and marksmanship training as we know that the pure enjoyment of firearms will be found therein. What's up with like... So I, those people, who, the, uh, most of those people who are new gun owners, I don't think they're the kind of people who are buying guns because it's fun. I think they're buying guns because they think the apocalypse is coming and that they're going to have to they're going to have to be standing on top of their garage shooting people, uh, you know, 
in, in a post-apocalyptic, post-pandemic kind of scenario, right. right? Notice that he does the Zarin. It's like the Michelle Bachman thing. Remember when she yeah when she became retarded thereafter? Thereafter. So this we are extremely excited for these first-time gun buyers to seek out firearms. I just decided they sound Midwestern. Education and marksmanship training, as we know that the pure enjoyment of firearms will be found therein. Therein. Okay, I'm just going to return to how weirdly like namaste-ish they're trying to get. So mm-hmm. we built Block 19 to show all those new firearm owners that guns are not just for law enforcement and current or former military or the types that are pr- that the types that are prone to overt bravado that is so often portrayed on social media. Guns are for everyone, all caps. And we want to be the first to welcome new firearms owners from any personality type or political affiliation. If you own a firearm, you are our friend, whatever that may or may not be worth to you. If you are a human being that is alive and legally able to purchase a firearm, we built this to be a welcome and a gesture of friendship and inclusion. We believe this inclusion mindset, if adapted by all gun owners everywhere, is what helps grow the 2A community and secure our rights for the future. It is our hope that firearms are able to double not only as the great equalizer, but also hopefully soon the great unifier. And this is our small attempt to that end, making the Second Amendment too painful to tread on. What yeah. the fuck? Well, can we first of all just sort of say I think I think it's probably um, probably not a rule that you want to uh, really heavily invest in to say if you own a firearm you are our friend. Yeah, because uh, because <laughs> that that could come up, you know. Yeah, I mean, seriously. like the the person who bur- bursts yeah. into your home with a gun or whatever, like that person's probably not your friend. Yeah, I think, right. you know, yeah, uh, or the the person who's running naked on the streets with an AR-15 uh, and firing in all directions, probably also not your friend, right. I would think. Yeah, but I yeah, no, so. you, but you're right. The, the 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 tone is a little it's so off. They sound like someone who definitely wouldn't pass a background check. You're right. It's it's there's it's pretty bitchy. It's yeah, it's like sorry about your whatever your issues with women are. Get off, get off trick. Get off. We don't even know. I mean, this, yeah, it's probably a guy. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not to generalize. Look at, I'm, by the way, this is a really creepy, uh, I'm just uploading a thingy. We could share that. This is one of their like, you know, stock images. I mean, I may be an actual person from that, from that community, from that company, but look at this guy kind of has an LB expression on his face, a little bitch expression. Do you see that? Look at that, like... He's got a little bit of a V for Vendetta smile. It's like shit, again, that like weird shit-eating grin. I just imagine being like, hi, Kathy, how are you? Nice yeah. to see you, Kathy. Fucking hate Kathy. I don't know why that came into my head, but... <laughs> Who's Kathy? I don't know, just a random person who I feel like... <laughs> you, you hate her? No, well, I think he hates her. Oh, he hates her. I just her. have an image of him like going to coffee, getting, getting something. Hi, Kathy, how are you? Right. And in his head being like, I hate Kathy, like with that yeah. smile on his face. Right, right. I just can't wait to empty yeah. uh, a whole a whole uh, magazine ammunition. Wholesome into... fun, guys. Wholesome. Okay, so that was weird. Uh, what do we have yeah. for Isn't That Terrible? Okay, so I'm reading at Metro, reading at Metro West Daily News. Um, police search for a man accused of having sex uh, with a horse in Norfolk. The owner of a Miller Street horse center. This is Massachusetts, had- by the way. The owner of a Miller Street horse center has put out a warning to other horse farms to be on the lookout for a man who allegedly had sex with a horse at the facility on Thursday. The horse was uninjured, Turner Hill, equestrian stables owner Hillary Swar said Friday. This man is a sexual predator, she said. 
The unidentified man is seen He's on not a unidentified anymore. Right. Spoiler alert. Yeah. The mm-hmm. unidentified man is seen on a security camera going into the stables at Turner Hill Equestrian around 4.30 a.m. on Thursday. The man used grain to lure several horses out of their pens and succeeded with one. Okay. Then Norfolk Police Detective Samuel Webb said he was familiar with horses. The way he was able to pull, put the reins on the horses shows he knew what he was doing. Suarez said the stables have multiple security cameras, but the man had unplugged all but one. An alarm sounded to an employee to an employee of Turner Hill who saw on a video feed what was happening, but by the time everyone arrived, the man had left. Suar, the owner of the stable, said, to have someone break into your barn, pick out a horse like it's a lady lover, pull her out, and maneuver yourself in such a manner for self-gratification is beyond me. Did he, did he, did he have sex with the horse, or did he just... Did he just whack off to the horse? I think there was. Well, let's see. Hold on. The horse was medically checked and determined to be healthy. Investigators conducted an exam similar to tests on human sexual assault victims to collect evidence, Webb said. Webb said he had he has sent an alert out to surrounding communities to see if they had any information or similar incidents. I was able to get some leads from that. I have some things I'm going to check out. And Webb said that the subject if caught would likely be charged with sexual contact with an animal and trespassing and possibly other charges so now the update so that that's that's i mean i think that's isn't that terrible in many ways well right but then we were the the key part of the story is that the police issued the photo okay here's what happened ready matt you asked for whether there was sex or not he is seen on a video camera luring the horse from its stall with grain he then stood on a stool and had sex with the animal while it ate Okay, yeah, let's show the photo. I there feel we go. so bad. Okay, yeah, we'll just so there's there he is on the on the stool. More it looks like more like a stepping ladder, if we're being honest. And yeah. that was it's like when out. you're in the kitchen, right? right? You're trying to get that that top shelf. Right. That's and it did show his face, but we don't need that because I actually feel very bad for him. I really feel bad for him. This is a genuine, you know, I talk a lot about obviously I have very passionate stance on necrophilia. I think people probably assume I have a similar stance on bestiality. I actually think that no, you there's a living thing with bestiality. Yeah, there's I'm. Con- I'm consent very, issues. Very much. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't really believe that you know, a horse can consent. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I, I have less. I, I feel less bad about this person, but uh, it is really bit. weird though that he went and he. I mean, he knew where all the security cameras were, but one. I mean, also think of the jokes. I mean, he he held out grain and he was to all the horses and was successful with one of them. I mean, yeah, there's, right. there's a metaphor in there. So you know what I wow. mean? Like he talked to all the women at the bar. Right, but, yeah. Cast you a know, wide net. You got to cast yeah, a wide net. I mean, even, even using grain to a horse, his batting yeah. average is low. Yeah, true. Uh, that's pretty Maybe bad. Maybe he sent out a bad, a sketchy vibe. Right. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe other horses were trying to warn that horse. <laughs> they picked up on the fact that he was <laughs> the type of guy who had sex with horses. <laughs> he just sent out that vibe. <laughs> he sent out that like I'm gonna have a sex with a horse. Yeah. He didn't. I mean, uh, what maybe... was the giveaway? The 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 the, the pants at the ankles. Yeah. The... Is this kind of like an age old custom though? It doesn't horses. make it okay. Yeah. How common is that among like shepherds and stuff like that? I don't know. 
I like the way that that woman said, to have someone break into your barn, pick out a horse like it's a lady lover, pull her out and maneuver yourself in such a manner for self-gratification is beyond me. So I, I, what I kind of admire about this is that she's kind of giving the okay to break into someone's house, pick out a lady lover. Like you would really, like you'd pick out a lady lover and give her food or maneuver you're, you're yourself hold, in such a manner. Hold, hold it out like that. Yeah, is that yeah. what she's saying? There's something weirdly like, She's trying to, I understand what she's trying to do, and I'm sure she's very upset right now, but there's something weirdly, like, unintentionally, it sounds like she's suggesting that, like, it's okay to do that with a lady lover. Right. Hold out food. Yeah. Or something. Which, or something, yeah. Yeah. I do think when the other horses saw, they're like, see, that's, and that's why I right. go out with him. Right, he's yeah. the type who actually does, look, he's copulating with a horse. Right. What kind of guy right. does that? This is this is a person who is is really not happy that the internet exists because yeah. after you know forever after all this gets resolved. I know. You what know? if you were that? I would probably get face surgery. Uh, yeah, he's definitely going to want to change his name. Dating, getting a job at review. Although maybe dating's not a thing for him. Anyway, yeah. Um. So so our our verdict on him is you feel bad for him. I feel bad for him, but also, I mean, I feel bad for him the way I feel bad for abusers sometimes, like when they abuse themselves. I just assume there's something um, people are going to be like, oh, it's just toxic masculinity. I don't actually think that. Entitlement. I don't actually think that. I think there's something happening when you seek out a horse to have sex with. I'm with the horse. I'm with the skeptical horses. Yeah. Use his food. Yeah. I guess I need to see some statistics on tendency towards besti bestiality is. Right. I, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming it's overwhelmingly a male thing, but that's just because you're a man. Yeah. So that's terrible. It is. I mean, it is terrible. Yeah. And also it's, it suggests that this could be happening to your horse and you probably yeah. wouldn't know about it Lock if, if the guy horse. also, why did he leave the lights on? He didn't want to creep them out. Probably. Yeah. I guess he don't want so. to seem like a perv. Right. It well, is. That... What's hard about it is that what, what I do find <laughs> hard about this is that uh, I wonder if there's some do we punish animals because we can't understand their consent? And there probably are some animals who want to have sex with people, but you can't take that chance. No, I don't think so. No. And, and they're, they're, that it, they, people do make that argument, actually. Right. Yeah. I think Jenk Uger made it once. Did he? He said on TYT he'd make bestiality legal because if the, <laughs> if the animal enjoys it, which I get the principle of. I just don't know how we can... Which, you, as you can imagine, his enemies... I'm not going to go anywhere near that. Yeah, use a lot. I think the likelihood that there are a lot of animals who want to have sex with, with people is low. Like, if I were an animal, I think a human being would be pretty low on the list of animals that I would want to have right. sex with. You know? Like, if you're a dolphin, do you want to have sex with a person? As opposed to another dolphin? Or I feel like you're suggesting as a, there's As another... opposed to anything that doesn't... Isn't, like... An asshole? Hairy in some places mean, and yeah, not yeah, right. the oh, rest yeah, of true, right. You know what I mean? Like... People are just yeah. not very impressive as animals go. Right. You'd have to be a you'd have to be a really sh shitty animal to want to have sex with a per <laughs> with a person. You like know, a, perv, a real perv. No, like a like a really kind of like skeevy, unimpressive animal, like like a ferret or something like that. Oh yeah, I bet ferrets probably ferrets probably do want that. No, it, well, the nice thing about the horse thing though, I gotta say, is that it's like much more. If you're gonna, it's a more humane size. That I will, I'll give him that much. Right. As opposed to like a chicken. Yes. Right. Like that's just murder. Right. Or at least really unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a hate, that's a, that's a different level that brings it to a whole other level. So in the, 
as a bcl what do you call the person who engages in bestiality actually that's a really good question i don't know the answer to that so this bestialist i almost feel like is a model exemplary bestialist because if you're gonna be a bestialist which i don't think you should be just from maybe that's the thing we should be urging people to do from a harm reduction standpoint i think it's a zoophile zoophile animal sex porn tube oh my god oh god oh, okay oh, don't, don't even yeah, okay all right you got that from looking up zoophile uh yeah that's the first result on why is uh, that good why why can't there be like a, a, a i mean i hope it doesn't give you a warning see that's where i want the internet to be what's the word so it's the, dude don't click on this yeah it's pretty bad anyway i'm anti-bestiality if you're gonna have to do it make sure the animal's a lot bigger than you that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> Kind of like people who are against premarital sex, but if you're going to do it, wear a condom. But those people don't actually exist that much, right? At all. So, <laughs> so <laughs> your stand, your standard is make sure the animal's bigger than you. Yeah, don't do it. But if you find yourself at a farm, right? And there are multiple options. First look, of all, look for the bigger animal. Yeah. All right. So, so don't make a gun buy a gun don't buy a gun with that looks like legos and if you're gonna have don't make a gun that looks like legos and if you're gonna have sex with an animal make it a big one yeah all right so we're gonna talk uh in a minute to um jordan sheridan and uh jen d's of status coup who have a new story out that's actually in the intercept uh, and it's involving flint and they've been working on this for a while and uh, we also want to talk to Jordan uh, separately uh, because he he was involved in a very interesting, actually an extremely interesting censorship case earlier th- earlier this year, uh, and it's actually an ongoing thing that I think a lot of people don't know about, and it's relevant in the context of these sort of new, new discussions about Facebook. So we're going to talk about both of those things. Let's talk to uh, Jordan and Chet. Yeah. Welcome to Useful Idiots. Jordan and Jen, you have a big story uh, out today. Uh, could you sort of just summarize? It? Well, first, tell people where they can find it because it's in a couple of places. And then also just sort of summarize what it is. And I know you've been working on this for a long time. Yeah, so to uh-huh. to find the article, it's it's been published and uh, co-published by the Detroit Metro Times and by The Intercept. And so we made an easy link so you can find it. Statuscoup.pub slash Flint Water Coverup. And uh, to really boil it down for the uh, low attention span world we live in, um, <laughs> I try to under under promise and over deliver. But I feel very strongly that what we've discovered, what we've discovered and reported, is uh, to me the biggest government cover up uh, of this century so far. In a nutshell, we found uh, that former Michigan Governor Rick Snyder's administration, his top officials. Uh, deleted their phones soon before a criminal investigation was launched into the Flint water crisis. His press secretary, her phone was completely wiped when she left her uh, job right before the criminal investigation. We also found that top officials in the Michigan Health uh, Department, their phones mysteriously had no messages on them uh, from for all of 2014 through October 2015, which was the 18-month period Flint used the Flint River, top officials, the only the messages that's 
came up uh, when prosecutors got their phones started after October 2015. Uh, we also learned that the governor, Governor Snyder himself, uh, basically waged a, an all out war on prosecutors. Uh, he would not hand over pretty much the most important Flint documents, including his daily briefings, um, environmental department briefings, uh, many other documents. Uh, it got to the point where the special counsel, kind of like the Robert Mueller of Flint, they had a special counsel. He filed several motions to compel Snyder uh, to cooperate, but Snyder didn't cooperate. And for different reasons, I won't go into the weeds, uh, uh, the special prosecutor's hands were kind of tied because the attorney general of Michigan at that time was a Republican who was running to replace Snyder. So he kind of had a conflict of interest. But in a nutshell, we have uh, erased Potentially erased evidence, altered evidence, the governor during the criminal investigation refusing to cooperate. Uh, we also found some other things, including the governor's top lieutenant, kind of like, I don't know if it was Rahm Emanuel for Obama. Uh, that kind of person interfered with the investigation, tried to influence the testimony of Snyder administration official, officials. And in one cartoonish text message that we obtained, uh, warned other officials not to put anything in writing because emails are cannons for our enemies. Emails are cannons for our enemies. Yes. Okay. Water wow. cannons. <laughs> yeah. And and poison poison right, water, water cannons, cannons apparently. Yeah. And th th there's also uh, reporting in there about phone calls in October of 2014, which uh, I believe you you're, you're saying suggests that. Uh, Snyder knew about the issues with the water, what, 16 or 18 months before he's uh, so far admitted? Is that the idea? Yeah, so that was uh, that was from January. We had the misfortune of publishing that at The Intercept uh, on the day Trump got impeached for a second time. So it kind of got lost. But for that one, which is connected to this story, uh, basically, Governor Snyder told Congress he didn't know about this deadly bacteria that killed a lot of people, made a lot of people sick uh, until January 2016, which is when the media started covering Flint. Prosecutors concluded that he knew about it 16 months earlier uh, while the deadly bacteria was spreading. And just a few weeks before the governor's reelection uh, in October 24, in November 2014, We've, we got his phone calls between him, his chief of staff, and the department, the health department director. It was rapid fire calls over two days. Uh, prosecutors kind of mapped out how often did these people speak. Most of them didn't speak at all uh, before those two days. And the phone calls uh, and the fact that the governor never directly talked to his health director, the chief of staff was kind of the cutout. The, the governor would call the chief of staff. The chief of staff would call the health director. That then uh, the health director, the chief of staff would call back the governor that basically Snyder was using his chief of staff as a cutout. So there was no trail of him directly talking to the health director. But prosecutors concluded they were discussing and trying to stop news of the Legionella outbreak from going public. In that story, we also found uh, notes from an environmental department meeting that mentioned governor's briefings, presumably briefings that went to Snyder in October 2014, that had mention of the Legionella outbreak. So essentially, you know, I think perjury is still a crime. Uh, Snyder, according to the prosecutors, perjured himself to Congress, which Congress has not called him back for.
Yeah, so I think to kind of break that down for people who maybe haven't followed as closely in the audience is you always talk about like, what did they know and when did they know it, you know, all through history when trying to um, nail down corrupt people, right? So that this is very much a case of that. And when you look at the timeline of things uh, for the story we published in, in January, which is what Jordan was just describing, there were key times where there was just a flurry of activity all of a sudden that um, directly points to them knowing, and especially Snyder knowing, far, 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 many months before he admitted to, to knowing such. And unfortunately, this was something that um, Congressman uh, Elijah Cummings was uh, kind of going to follow up on. And now we, we unfortunately can't have that. Um, hopefully someone else uh, follows up on, on these timelines. But there's also for, for this current story, uh, here we have again a, a different kind of flurry of activity surrounding phones. But this time the phones were, are, uh, it's a different case because these are wiped phones during crucial times in this uh, timeline that investigators, that prosecutors were looking at. So is there an obstruction of justice issue with this or, or what's the what's the criminal uh, potential criminal implications? So that is a really important question. And I, you know, I'm going to try to just make this as palatable for your audience. So there was the original Flint investigation <clears throat> was under a Republican attorney general and he hired a special prosecutor. When current Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel uh, took over in January 2019, she cleaned house. So she fired the special prosecutor, uh, most of his team, and then restarted the investigation. Uh, there's a lot of elements about that that didn't make sense, including why you would fire everybody, which, you know, that is the team that just over three years uh, had successfully charged 15 state officials. But uh, the the previous uh, investigation, our reporting indicated, had found evidence to charge Governor Snyder with misconduct in office, um, willful neglect of duty, and was not ready to charge him, but were building a case against him towards involuntary manslaughter. The Attorney General Nessel's prosecution charged the governor in January, the former governor, with a misdemeanor. So it was done in a very secretive process. Um, basically, the revamped investigation, investigation number two, they went through a one-man grand jury, which basically is a judge as the jury deciding if there's enough evidence to charge and what to charge officials for. That's a very secretive process. It's rarely used in Michigan or most states. So we don't know what evidence uh, the current attorney general and her prosecutors presented to this judge. We have no idea if they presented any of what we just uh, reported. Um, because most people uh, in Flint and elsewhere would, I think the common question would be, how does the governor not know that his top officials are destroying evidence, that his top lieutenant, his top advisor is interfering with the investigation? Um, how is this only a misdemeanor of neglect of duty? So the previous investigation was investigating obstruction of justice, uh, was going to charge him with misconduct in office, which this current attorney general did not charge him with, and uh, we're building a case towards involuntary manslaughter. And that has been backed up by two other Michigan reporters who, through their sources, backed up our reporting that the original investigation was building a case against Snyder for involuntary manslaughter. 
Yeah, so they were they were building um, uh, to piggyback off of that. They were they were building up up this case and kind of building toward something bigger, um, and then, then suddenly they were all let go by this, uh, you know, Democrats in office who some folks thought, okay, this will be better. You know, things will really happen now. Gretchen Whitmer's in office and she gets, you know, she gets to pick um, her her AG and all this. Like it might be better. Well, then the, the former team that had spent all, all these years, uh, three years, looking into this deeply and building this case, they were all kicked off. Then the way things have shaken out now, Snyder has a, a hand slap. You know, he's, he's up for maybe a thousand dollar fine. It's like the equivalent of a parking ticket for, for all that he has um, allegedly done. Potentially so, one year in jail. Yeah, potentially one year in jail. We'll we'll see. Uh, I I doubt it. But yeah, so the things that he's charged with are not come nowhere close to potentially what could have been. Just to, uh, about the most recent story. So when I read through this, I, you know, obviously I see that there are all these characters like Doctor Eden Wells, Patricia McCain. They, they all have small numbers of text messages, uh, like either before a certain time or at a certain time. Do they know whether those messages were deleted or whether there's just, I mean, can they prove it one way or the other, whether, whether there was, whether these, they were wiping things out or whether they just weren't using that phone or what was going on? So in some cases, like with uh, Sarah Werfel, who was the press secretary of Governor Sater during, you know, 2014, 2015, she said, you know, I, I turned in my phone when I left and, and it was wiped. I don't recall if it was, you know, if anything happened to it before then. So there were, we don't know what kind of messages. She also, I, I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan said that she didn't know if there was an iCloud backup. Um, so she quote, kind of, you know, seems like she kind of danced around things a bit there um, in her investigative subpoena uh, transcript, which we uh, Obtained. And so we, we don't know exactly what was there, but in all of these cases, there were things that should have been there. I mean, if you're, you're working uh, for the state, you're going to have messages to someone. You're going to be talking to your team. You're going to be talking to your boss or your subordinates, whoever. There are going to be messages there. So the fact that these phones were wiped, multiple phones were wiped, a, a pile of phones were, and devices were found, you know, uh, wiped. Um, it, it's very suspicious. And I'll add to that because there's multiple things. Uh, number one, th there is government retention schedules for data. So the governor's office, if an official left, their phone was supposed to be held intact for at least a year. And if there was any thought of looming uh, investigations or litigation, which there certainly was, <laughs> Flint was a national scandal by the time Snyder's press secretary left, it's supposed to be held indefinitely. So government policies and protocols were, were violated. The other element is we do have evidence that soon after Governor Snyder, this is what, you know, I know this is a couple of years ago, soon after Governor Snyder in October 2015, kind of finally it, it acknowledged that Flint's water was toxic and that Flint was going to stop using the Flint River. We do know from documents we obtained that the deputy director of the state environmental department, his he was asked for his phone uh, to hand it his phone 
like very soon after Snyder's announcement. Uh, and he told prosecutors, I don't know what they did with it. I don't know where they took it. And he wasn't giving it back. We also know that another uh, state environmental official soon after Governor Snyder's um, announcement, he was he was given a new phone and a new number, which we were told from current and former state officials. It's not unusual to get a new phone. Uh, it, if it's an upgrade, it is unusual to get a new number. And just so people kind of just to bring it to today, this is kind of like imagine, you know, the media is obviously fixated on January 6th. Uh, this is kind of like imagine if the people who stormed the Capitol, like if all of their phones were erased, so you couldn't prosecutors couldn't investigate what were the communications leading up to that, who was involved. It's kind of it's kind of similar, like Flint uh, residents were complaining and the media was grabbing onto their complaints well before uh, these messages were deleted. So at the time, the period that there are no messages or phones were erased, it's not like the Snyder administration didn't know those complaints. They met with Flint residents. So uh, presumably there would be communications that investigators would naturally want to look at, again, to answer who who knew what when. Uh, so in some cases, we do know that the phones were completely erased uh, with no with potentially no iCloud backups. Uh, we spoke with uh, people, uh, I, don't, I don't wanna get into sources, but that we're very familiar with the criminal investigation who said it was across the board. They were getting phones from the environmental department, the governor's office, the health department, the department of technology management and budget that were basically wiped, uh, meaning some of them still worked, but there was no message history. There was no phone log history. So it's kind of uh, it, it kind of reeks of why would the Republican governor's administration that is under serious heat uh, for this water crisis, why would they basically wipe their phones, delete messages? Uh, it We still don't know. And to be clear, I mean, nobody had an explanation for us. Uh, actually, the health department basically said, like, no, we don't care to comment. None of our reporting's being challenged, and we haven't been get, given a plausible explanation. Where are these messages? Why were these phones deleted? Uh, and in terms of Governor Snyder, it's not the main point of the story. But if he truly is innocent and you know didn't commit crimes, why did he refuse to hand over documents for three years to criminal investigators? Well, I was just going to say that we could maybe get Hillary Clinton on the case because remember she really wanted to review the text messages between um, Donald Trump and uh, Putin on January sixth, since you brought up January sixth. Yeah, maybe we can get her to to rally. <laughs> well, yeah. that goes into a broader and you know quick plug for Matt's book Hate Inc. Uh, it kind of goes into a broader explanation. I mean, Jen and I honestly will write a book or do a documentary on the media's total abdication of duty on this story. And it really is directed to Trump. I mean, when Flint hit the hit the fan and the media swarmed Flint for two weeks and then left, that was the same time that the Trump reality show had, had taken, uh, had hijacked the media um, in 2016. And between Jen and I, we've been to Flint over 20, over 20 times since 2016. And to a person, every resident will tell you, we can't get the local media to cover this. The national media only talks, reaches out on anniversaries. I mean, if you're like a journalist, this is the story of a lifetime. There's onions and onions of uh, cover up uh, and layers corruption. Layers of onions. Layers of onions. So many layers, though. It's multiple, <laughs> it's multiple right. onions at this point. That's and also, layers. by the way, <laughs> so I've, I've always said it's not just about Flint, Michigan uh, or Michigan. 
Uh, this kind of stuff, water privatization, yeah. which was really the underbelly that led to the water crisis. They were trying to privatize the water in Michigan, and they used the city of Flint as a guinea pig. That's going on all over the country. Bonds, there was bond fraud, which I won't get into the weeds, that led to Flint uh, being on the Flint River. There's uh, Matt has covered. There's shady bond activity going on all over the country. Uh, there was significant big banks, including Wells Fargo. Uh, and J.P. Morgan that underwrote uh, the bonds that were related to Flint using the Flint River. Uh, so there's a whole lot of layers to this that's not just Flint, but we've gotten from editors. Literally, I met with a Detroit Free Press editor in the parking lot, in a parking lot in Michigan at the height of the pandemic, strolled in with a very nice Beamer. Told, I, I literally handed him what we had. He told me, uh, yeah, we really regret not doing more on Flint. And I told him, well, here's your opportunity. And he basically said to me, well, this is kind of like anecdotal. We don't know what was on the phone, this and that. He basically said, this is anecdotal. And, uh, you know, we don't we don't have proof uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. I said, yeah, we're not criminal prosecutors. Most yeah. journalism is building so through sources, documents. But here are the documents. It's not my opinion. The prosecutors are concluding these things and they wouldn't run it. And we found that with many, many outlets. <laughs> well, we know you have a busy day. So thanks yeah, so, thank much, so much, uh, Jen and Jordan, for coming on. And thank uh, good you luck guys. with this story. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks thank so much. You. And uh, by the way, you could read the story in The Intercept and Detroit Metro Times. Excellent. Thanks so much, both of you. Thank really you appreciate too. it. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. That was great. Really yeah. important work that they do at statuscoup.com. Again, that's statuscoup.com. Statuscoup.com. C O U P. Right. Status coop. Their story is uh, this whole thing with Flint is kind of a parable about what's messed up with media because it's an example of exactly what the press is supposed to be for. Like you literally need to read when your water is poisonous and when putting your kids in a bath might kill them. Like that's that's kind of like exactly what you need the press for, but there's no yeah, mechanism to, re to reliably, to reliably get that news out to you because a local news doesn't is being crushed from 50 different directions. B, even if it exists, it doesn't pay. And then C, you know, even if somebody like, uh, you know, Jordan and people like Jordan and Jen are doing this story, they have to deal with all kinds of shit now in this other landscape where we're operating within, you know, Substack YouTube uh, and all these different carriers, they got to negotiate all that just to get these stories out. And they have to make, a, you know, basically an unfinancial decision in order to, in order to cover that stuff. Right. So, you know, it's a mess. The whole thing's a mess. Yeah, yeah it really is. I mean, it really is so dark and sordid that it's like, you don't have to just deal with this corruption and just like, you know, murderous corruption, but then you have to deal with the media being totally negligent, enabling it. And really, I mean, I'm not to be too dramatic about it, but there really is a lot of blood on people's hands. Yeah, right. I mean, like you, you have to do this story. I mean, definitely the people in Michigan have to do the story, yeah. like the people, the, those communities. But nationally, it's a big story because, as we talked about with Aaron Brockovich, this is a, this is like a yeah. thing all over the all over the country. It's like whether it's lead or right. hexavalent, whatever. Chrome, um, you know, the, the, those those chemicals that she's famous for uncovering. Whether it's that water that's just unclean and has various bacteria in it, 
this is a problem in private in, in communities all over the country. And you basically won't know about it unless somebody's covering these local these localities. That's a big if because most of the local news organizations have been stripped to the bone, if they even still exist at all. Right. You know, so it's 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 kind of it's a disaster. That that Obama footage, did you? I had yeah, I somehow bad. missed it until it was in Michael Moore's documentary. Yeah, me too. And yeah. which Fahrenheit eleven nine? I swear, that was like one of those moments where one of those really Obama moments that I should have gotten over, like the first really Obama moment. But he just like shilled for Rick Snyder, right? I mean, he shilled for everyone who was saying the water was okay. He drank out of the water, and said that. And barely, though, he like lifted it to his lips. He literally said, like, can I have to get some water? Like he asked for water. It was so over the top. Sorry, I know, you know, I'm just telling. Well, two things. One is it's just my general rhetorical um, outrage for which I apologize because it's probably very time consuming, annoying, but also just to catch up everyone watching. But he literally asked for some water, drank it. And then he talked about how he probably as a kid ate some lead chips. Right. And look at how smart I turned out to be. You know, like that, that's what he's, that's the yeah. sub- subtext of what he's saying. It, I mean, yeah. Like you, when you, when you watch that video in hindsight, yeah, it, it's really tough to work out like what kind of person Barack Obama is, right? Because a really bad one. The, the, the impression that I always got of him was that he was super smart calculating, you know, but sort of very eloquent, very smart, understood exactly what was going on politically was I thought, brilliant in 2008 navigating how to win all those votes there's you know he was dealing with a lot of different things and he was really good at it but then you know that you start to get into these questions of well, why didn't he go after wall street why is he doing you know the drone thing why is he doing this and that it's not until you see that water footage though that you start to think maybe this is like actually an evil person like maybe yeah. there's something you know what i mean <laughs> like, yeah it's really yeah really 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 scary Unless he's got a better explanation, you know. Yeah, like if there was something totally Machiavellian that, and he, we don't know about it, and he got you know a bunch of people's water tested because of that, which I really doubt. But yeah, and it's again, it's not like we think that other politicians don't do this. It's just like they're they're stupidly every now and then. We, I think that the the hope, the expectation, the fantasy that maybe he's not as bad as other people. Well, that was his entire brand, right? because because he was so he was so unspecific about policy that almost almost everything that you were going um that you're voting for with with, yeah like he 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 would do things that were sort of gestures that suggested that he was he was different like oh oh, no i'll talk to cuba i'll talk to syria like i don't i don't i don't have it i'm not opposed to to opening a dialogue so that was it was a big departure right? right but uh but you know, it turned things turned out to be totally different when he was in office. So, who knows? Never trust a politician, I guess. Is the- I guess not, right? Yeah. Gotta hold them accountable. You know, there's a, like a whole big debate, obviously, now about Medicare for all and this march that's happening, happening on Saturday, M4A. And it's funny because you get people who, you know, going, we need a shorthand for that media war for the Jimmy versus Jenk. So, what can we call it though for now? We need two totally random team, le- like, uh, mascots is it it's sort of like a alien v versus predator right yeah. so it's like avp one side is very much very i think can be overly critical of how bad politicians are and can like overly personalize it and i think it can actually 
backfire because I think sometimes when people really attack a personal, uh, an individual politician, it can make people who are willing to be critical of that politician protective. You know what I mean? Because they right. see them mm-hmm. focused on and with a lot of ire. But then at, at the same time, on the other side, there's some this idea that like all we have to do is get these elected people into office, just get them because they're good on these issues. We need them in office. And that is just like the idea it's that not you even that they're good, that they're, they're less bad. Yeah, that they're less bad. Yeah. And like that, the only people who you can ever think about politics that way with are it's kind of Bernie Sanders. And even then, it's not appropriate, as I learned the hard way. But it's clear. It's just like we can't rely on people's goodwill. It's not about that. Politicians only make decisions uh, out of fear, like out of carrot. No, no. Uh, what is it? The carrot and the, carrot the, the stick. It's the stick, stick yeah. they're worried yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, that is the, really how it works. Then you can offer some positive reinforcement. But no, I mean, there's other things like, like Barack Obama wanted a legacy bill to pass. He 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 wanted he yeah. wanted to pass Obamacare because he wanted to be able to say he, he passed a major piece of a historic piece of legislation. Right. It's the same way that JFK wanted a war that he said that he, he, he could say he won. And, you know, the politicians do have ambitions that they try to fulfill right but the, so there's right. they're, they're not always fleeing the whip there there is there are things that they're trying to accomplish they're not always positive but yeah you're right like they're they're much more receptive to how fucked will i be if this happens how much trouble will i be right. if this piece of news gets out or yeah. you know yeah. like how, how, how many mistresses can i have before it gets publicized right. or whatever right crazy anyway crazy story but interesting and uh congratulations to them and yeah uh, we will... go to their website so are we we're gonna do monday morning next week oh yeah and everyone check out our monday morning monday morning broadcast which is m-o-n-d-a-y-m-o-u-r-n-i-n-g we have it up still you can watch it live at uh i want 10 a.m but the mats want 9 a.m because they're normal people not um not we'll make we'll make, we'll make we'll make it 10 all right. Make, well, we, we can make it then. I think maybe our viewers would appreciate that too. I think. I guess maybe because honestly, it ha- we can ask them. And if it's not yeah, ten, we'll do it anyway. Yeah, they. No, it's they. <laughs> they identify. It's one person, but it happens okay. to be they. Yeah. So make sure you go to YouTube.com/slash/slash/usefulidiots. Usefulidiots.substack.com. That's where you can find bonus content. Uh, make sure you go there. Honestly, our thing with Ross uh, Barkin and Diana Morales is amazing. We'll be releasing a little snippet of it to, so you guys don't have to take our word for it. Um, but you get all this great extended interviews, bonus content. Um, for this week, it'll be a really interesting chat about YouTube censorship with status quo people with Jordan and Jen. Yeah, you just want to do that for yourself. Like, it's not only to support us, it's just to you don't want to deprive yourself personal enrichment yeah Yeah, personal enrichment yeah all right i think that that pretty much concludes uh this week's business so we will see you next week and uh thanks for thanks for tuning in hello thank you so much for listening to and watching useful idiots for full episodes and extended interviews please subscribe at usefulidiots.substack.com you can subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com slash usefulidiots for clips, live streams, and full episodes. Also, subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at usefulidiotpod and use the hashtag usefulidiotspod. Join us Mondays at 10 a.m. for the Useful Idiots Monday Morning Show, where we discuss the Sunday morning news shows so you don't have to watch them. The 
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.